Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 11th, 2022. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, in his fancy tuxedo. Caffeine rage. Uh, at least uh, I'm not a crime against, uh, you know, human vision. First of all, how <laughs> the hell did you squeeze into that dress? Right? Every year. Every year. We got the butter, the lard, uh, the cooking spray. Hey, hey I resemble lotion. that remark. Get out the get out the KY lubricant, you know all of it needed to slide into the dress. But I make it work every year. That's that's how dedicated I am to the VGL Awards. Yeah, excuse me, why gouge my eyes out? <laughs> now that cough I resemble. Um, yeah, I'm 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 coming at the people this week with a a scratchy throat. And a strong desire to lie down. What about you? So, How are you doing every this week? <laughs> Touche. Touche. It's worse this week. Uh, I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's a Tuesday, right? Yeah, that is true. It is a Tuesday. So no, no fancy list of topics to introduce or whatever. This week we are doing the VGL Awards. If this is your first year with us to do the VGL Awards, uh... I, not sorry, sorry, not sorry. Um, we divide it up into four big blocks, each that have, what, five awards or six awards, something like that. Um, and we and go... It's basically our own little private awards show. Some uh, serious, some uh, not. And just kind of our year in review before we tackle the next year. And yes, we realize... We have tackled the next year already, but we typically, you know, wait a week or two uh, to kind of wrap things up for the previous year to bo- before passing out some awards. Directamundo. Um, we don't ne- necessarily, like, this is just our own personal awards. The only one that we have to agree on is the VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award, which we discuss live. Like, all the rest of it, we've got a spreadsheet with our... Uh, nominees are our, our individual respective winners yeah we um, don't really have like you know a list of nominees and then you know pick one uh outside of the game of the year award which is kind of uh up for grabs between like what two or three different topics right yeah 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 um in years past we have quite often though the game of the year award has wound up being our best game club game of the year. Although, spoiler alert, we don't agree on that this year. So, bizarre. you'll just have to wait and, and find out. Stop on Dragon Ball Z. Do, 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 do. It's over 9,000 awards. No, we don't have that many. All right. Uh, do you want to do you want to go first or do you want me to yeah, go first? I can. So, uh, as I'm trying to get my volume uh, or my recording uh, level set up uh, at least somewhat well and seems like I'm constantly spiking today uh, so most memorable gaming moment of 2021 and for me it's kind of obvious troubleshooting my goddamn computer so early on in the year I installed some fans uh, in my old 
new computer. And it shorted out the reset button and killed the RAM in the process from where it was just constantly resetting, resetting, resetting. And I basically sent back every single part short of the power supply and the (laughs) case itself. And it took me, what, like two months, three months to go through everything because send off something, uh, wait for it to come back. Well, that didn't work. Uh, Send off something else, right? Yep. It was a very long time, but you did eventually get it all sorted out. I mean, and that's the thing is that, yeah, I did the test bed as well, you know, pulled the motherboard and it was still doing it when it was out of the case, just shorting the, you know, uh, the jumpers for the power switch. So obviously it did damage the RAM. Which eventually, when I got down to that part of it, it, uh, you know, it did eventually work, but it's just, oh, what, what a mess that was. Indeed. What a mess, indeed. Although we did have some interesting, like, that's the only time we've ever really done guests. Like, I mean, we've had a guest on here or there, but yeah. for like two have months. guests on uh, more often. I tried. I, I tried very recently to get um, Casey Explosion on the show, actually. Well, maybe it's me. She posted she posted a thing on Twitter. Like, there was a thing that was going around last week or two weeks ago where people were, like, posting an image, and it's like, re- reply if you want to collab. Heart if you think I'm cute. And retweet if something. Like, you know, those, and people were just doing different variations. And, like, I was the within the first ten people to comment. I was like, I would love to have you be a guest on my tiny video games podcast. And she said yes, and then she came back later and was like, actually, I have too many people who want collabs, and I'm just not going to do them. She listened, like, to oh. us. Uh, she listened to us. It's like, no, no. <laughs> she might have. She might have done that, but that's all right. Maybe this year we'll we'll specifically try to reach out for some, some guests or collaborations or something. And also do some marketing and, you know, right? Yeah. Do some do some work, some actual work. Ew, I, that feels weird. <laughs> I don't like that. Ew. Work. Well, you're already sick, so yeah, uh, feeling sick on top of it, right? Yeah. Yep, and that just describes my daily existence, let alone my current issue. Um. Anyways, okay. So mine is a little bit more vague i guess than yours because even though yours your moment lasted for a couple of months it is like one very specific instance mine is video games playing video games with my son which is something i've talked about on the show a couple of times just like i'll mention like that we had played a game together and had a good time um and that's been going on for a while now but this year is the first year he's really really been able to like read um And so that's meant that we can do things and he can participate in an even more active way. His uh, dexterity has increased. His attention span has increased. I mean, we played through the entirety of Earth Defense Force together in co-op, he and I. And we've played through the entirety of a couple of other games that he um, wanted to play. We played a bunch of, of things like Minecraft. And while Minecraft isn't my favorite game in the world, 
not by a long shot. Um, now that he's it, not Roblox, that is true. At least it's not Roblox. But now that he's got enough sort of foresight and uh, game and language skills to be able to communicate something, it's it can be more involved. It can be a lot more fun, and I have enjoyed that immensely. You know, to to make it very personal, very quickly, uh, for a moment. Um, I never really had any kind of relationship with my dad like that. Uh, he always tried to make me do things that he liked that I didn't want to do. And so the fact that my kid likes to play video games and it's something that we can engage in together and both enjoy uh, as as a separate kind of individual thing, but also as a together thing, it's been really good. And it has definitely been my most memorable thing in games for this year. And a year that, as we will discuss later on in the show, that was full of so much garbage from so many angles. It's just like, oh yeah, this is nice. I want to play some video games with my kid. And it makes me feel happy. Well, that's part of the reason why, you know, that, uh, that part of the Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. Which we have played some more. Uh, still haven't played Coin Game or whatever, but we've played more Scribble Nuts. Those were excellent. I'm looking forward to seeing what you think of the, the Coin Game. But I figured Scribble Nuts would uh, get a lot more play. Yeah, Especially so far it has. The Coin Game is also early access still. And, uh, and uh, the Coin Game is uh, it's strange, but fun. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, so moving on to the next award, the biggest surprise of the year. And this is anything that's gaming related. Um, some of these categories, I had a hard time remembering stuff like 2021 yeah, was a, a big blur. blur and an overwhelming year. So I, I went through and I looked at a bunch of different stuff, both old, topics that we had listed on the show and in news articles and things and a few listicles that exist out there. Yeah. And I did look at a few Wikipedia pages as well. It's like, Oh, what released this year? Or what was like the year in gaming? Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is one that we talked about on the show or not. Um, but one of the ones that I thought was like a really big, really good surprise that happened this year was just kind of out of the blue. Microsoft got rid of the um, requirements for Xbox Live for people to play free-to-play games and con- consequently use uh, all apps as well. There were some apps that were free from this limitation. Like, for a while, for example, if you had a Netflix account, you could watch Netflix without having an Amazon or an Xbox Live Gold subscription uh, on the console. But originally, it wasn't even like that. You had to have gold to use any online application to play any game, even if it was free to play. And to me, this just kind of signaled like, okay, Xbox is Microsoft slash Xbox is all in on just sort of having as open a gaming platform as possible between both the console itself and their PC gaming environment, which they've really been working on building back up the last couple of years. And I think that in order to sort of bring themselves into parity with uh, across the board, because obviously if you're on PC, you don't have to have any kind of service other than Game Pass. If you want Game Pass, you can play all of those games online without needing to have, buy X, or pay for Xbox Live. And, you know, you can just go to your web browser for Netflix or, uh, you know, any any other kind of streaming service for music or, or whatever. And I think Microsoft is like, OK, we're just going to level sort of our entire playing field to keep people as invested in our ecosystem as possible by, by making by making it as easy as possible to do that. And, you know, 
it's it's a quote unquote smart business decision for them. Like it would it got them good publicity. I'm sure it got them a few sales along the way as well. Um, you know, people being like, "Oh, nice, I can you know engage you know or, or use my console to play games for free now online." And then they were you know looking at the store and it's like, "Oh, maybe I will buy this." You know, I'm sure that has happened at least somewhat. But it was just a good, nice, positive surprise for the year. Mine is also, well, I admit, I was not a, really a fan of uh, G4, but mine was also a semi-positive, if not positive surprise, was kind of the return of G4. Mind you, it's in a diminished capacity. It's not a TV channel anymore. It's now a Twitch and YouTube channel that's putting out some of the old shows as well. But it was out of everything, uh, all the shit that happened this year, or I guess I should say this past year, having, you know, at least a positive voice out there uh, come back is, you know, nothing to sneeze at, right? Yeah, definitely not. And mind you, it's not, you know, 24-7 streaming on Twitch. It's, like, three or four hours, and it's staggered. So, you know, different shows on different days. But still, yeah. Right? The, the yeah. fact that they got the licensing for it, too. I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So, maybe it'll Good for come them. back uh, uh, in a bigger capacity someday. I don't think it's actually on TV just yet. But it does seem like it's picking up some sort of a uh, uh, renewed and uh, a fan base as well as you know old fans com- uh, coming back for it. Kind of, though, I do miss uh, tech TV, but that was more computer related than gaming related. It did have its own gaming stuff, but it was not nearly as gaming focused, or as focused on the uh, show Cops. Well. <laughs> <coughs> oh. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you, bad boys? Sorry. I actually am sorry for that. And uh, that was our first musical number for the uh, show. Woo! Uh, look at it this way. Better than Imagine Dragons. Indeed. Alright, so, so... Next up is... It's still an Early Access Award. And I wiped my list from last year, so I don't know if... I had this last year. If so, oh well, it's still in early access. Beamng.drive. I remember playing the demo of this over a decade ago, and it's still in early access. It's a big one. And, and, and that's the thing, is that graphically, it looks like it's 10 years old. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I know, I, I, believe me, Graphics are not everything, but it's also, it's been in development so long that it just looks extremely dated. Never mind that, you know, I I know the primary focus of this is the soft body uh, physics as well as the uh, suspension modeling and everything else with it. But at the same time, it's just been in development for so long that it, (laughs) it's actually kind of laughable, right? Uh, looking at some of the car models uh, next to the more modern-looking 
uh, landscape that they put in late, uh, a lot later in the uh, development cycle, right? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, mine is for a game that was a little, not quite in early access as long. It's only been in early access for... Well, to be one. fair, it's a, it's a little hard to match mine. Yeah, but it's it's only been in, in early access for something like one to two years. Um, and that's Dyson's for your program. I played that very early, 2021. It had been out for a little bit then, so I'm pretty sure it, it has been out for about a year and a half now. Um, and that game has undergone a huge transformation in its time. It, it reminds me very much of Kerbal Space Program, when they would jump from you know one big ma- sort of main uh you know version number to the next there would be huge changes um destiny sphere program has undergone a lot of the same transformation but its core gameplay loop still remains relatively unchanged and is extremely solid you know that collecting resources to build your thing better to collect more recesses resources faster to build your thing better it's a, it's a good good loop to get in i feel like it's handled extremely well so i look forward to what happens as this game goes on into full release and then maybe even beyond. Um, the next one, our next category is, yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah. The, the Balderdash award, what you're fed up with from the previous year. Well, we agreed with this one immediately. (laughs) Read with this one. It's NFTs. NFTs. Tokens, right? Yes. It's kind of funny. Uh, uh, Devolver made fun of these, what was it, two years ago now? Uh, a year and a half, two years ago, on their uh, big uh, stream that was in cyberspace. Remember that one? Yeah, I think that was last year's, or, you know, 20, 2019's. Because they, even though E3 was canceled, they, or no, 2019, 2020? Last 2020. Year? Yeah, twenty. It was twenty twenty that they did the digital, the all digital thing. Yeah, which they're doing it again this year. Nice. So, um, but anyways, yeah, it was twenty twenty. Yeah, the uh, they kind of uh, called it on that one. So it's just every time I hear somebody explain what NFTs are, uh, there's just this. Siren that goes off in my head saying scam, 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 bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. Because the NFTs are scams. They are bullshit. While they would have some, you know, potential practical applications, none of those are flashy and are worth what people seem to think they are. Yeah, and the fact that if it was buying and selling licenses for artwork and that sort of thing, that's one thing, but it's not even that. It's the receipt. That's what gets me. Uh, essentially, the receipt, you know? It, it just... It, it just boggles my mind. I mean, we had uh, Konami just now, uh, just uh, the last week or so, m- mark the... What what anniversary was that with Castlevania with a bunch of DMFT uh, sales? Yeah, was it 20-something 20, 20 or 30-year anniversary? Oh, no, uh, Jim Sterling, uh, their head just exploded. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't get to watch that Jimquisition. Uh, I need to go back and watch it, but I, I don't need to watch it to know exactly what they said, you know? <laughs> because you know what they said. Right. 
absolutely. Um, you know, I suppose we'll only have to see how things are going as we move forward in time, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it was the 35th anniversary, by the way, 35th. Okay. Unfortunately, I think NFTs are going to be here for at least a little while. I hope they're a passing fad, but, um, Hey, look they, at this. They way. might we, not be. We know now what loot boxes go, uh, get replaced with something with even less value. Right. Don't know how you pulled that off, but you did it. I mean, the fact that. They dug up Stan Lee's Twitter account to show NFTs this past year, right? Yeah, absolutely. They did that. That was utter bullshit. And the fact that they got called out on it so much that it just biked on the Twitter uh, trending was hilarious. But at the same time, just, you know, they don't care because it's just they need to get those few sales in and then it all, you know makes uh, financial sense because you know, they're selling a digital receipt. It doesn't even cost them anything. It's cashing in on all that goodwill, right? Uh, yes. Oh. I'm just, I'm, yeah. We'll see how it all goes. I'm not hopeful. I mean, we'll, well you hopefully know. to hell. Right, fair play. I mean, we, you know, even though we're very tiny in the grand scheme of things, are going to keep standing up against this and Seems like creators like James Stephanie Sterling will, with you know, creators have a much larger voice and will attempt to parrot most, if not all, of their talking points. Mm-hmm. You know, fight the man, man. Uh, so, as I accidentally add a line there, oh well, there we yep. go. Uh, so I'm up next with the best free to play game and. For me, this one was tough, mostly because I didn't really play a lot of free-to-play games during my time, uh, my downtime with my computer issues. I just played on the Switch more than anything. Which, yes, it does have some free-to-play games, but, you know, I had, like, Mario Odyssey to keep me busy, or, you know, uh, or Mario Kart, or, yeah, right? So, I had to go digging for this one, and this is actually one I recently started playing. I need to kind of uh, play a little bit more to really be able to talk about in-depth. It's Bot World Adventure. So this is essentially a mixture of, like, Pokemon with a... uh, with some, honestly, mobile game bullshit, particularly uh, an energy mechanic. But the idea of it is that you go out in the world and you collect... Uh, components to build these essentially robotic Pokemon. You know, you have your first three starters, you have a team of six that you carry with you. And the trick or the twist on this outside of, you know, it being like all, you know, animal based, you know, almost Animal Crossing like uh, characters is that you don't control the bots directly. You place them in this giant field, this circular field, and depending on if you're fighting another trainer or wild bots, because this world has like robots out in the wild for whatever reason. Right. Uh, that just, it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite video game logic uh, award, but you know, it's up there. Right. Uh, if it's wild bots, you know, you'll see them out in the, the play field like you've captured them and you can battle them. 
Or if you're fighting against another trainer, you take turns placing your bots, uh, your first three, and then whatever you have remaining on your team is your reserve. So one, when one gets knocked out, the next one can go in uh, uh, anywhere you please. And then it has a energy mechanic uh, as the battle goes on, you essentially charge up a backpack uh, that has four different abilities that you could use, like uh, uh, putting down a lane of fire to, in front of a, a f- uh, enemy that's fleeing, or launching a rocket, or uh, putting out a temporary shield. And it's more strategic on placing uh, bots and also finding synergy between the ones that you uh, uh, are using. And there's also, you know, leveling up. Uh, only the bots that you actively use in battle level up. And the energy mechanic uh, for, you know, limited playtime, it comes into play where whenever you leave town, you essentially use up a energy canister that has a limited amount of repairs and uh, revives for your bots. So you have to be careful on what you uh, attack and uh, uh, what you go after, but for limited playtime, it's yeah, it's not really a hindrance. Overall, it's actually been pretty good, at least from nice. what I've played so far. And it's yeah. a mobile game that's on both Android and Apple, as far as I know. Right. Well, so mine you? is mine is a bit different. I mean, whenever you think of free game, you tend to think of or free to play game, you tend to think of either a mobile game. Or, you know, one of the big free-to-play MMO-style games, or a lot of Battle Royale games are free-to-play now. Or mechs. uh, Or mechs. uh, Mech HQ. I actually had to think about this for a minute. It was an instant pick, because I just didn't think about it in the same kind of category. Mech HQ, for anyone who, you know, I I guess either lives under a rock, or is literally, this is the first episode you've ever heard of. Uh, Hi, uh, I play Battletech. I have many problems with how much I engage with that universe. Um, and Mech HQ is a direct, like a, a fan project that has been in the works for over a decade and is still actively developed. Um, that is a direct translation of the tabletop rule set to electronic form. Um, it comes in three parts there's Mech HQ, which serves as a campaign manager where you can create your own. Uh, mech company, be it mercenary or for one of the great houses or a pirate company. Um, you accept contracts. You can manage all of your vehicles and your crew. It's got spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. If you really want to play it that way, you can go in and tweak every individual characteristic of your of your people based on the tabletop rule sets. Um, and you know, run run a campaign. I'm actually doing that right now. One of the tabletop games that I play during the week is a Battletech game where I'm using Mech HQ to run the tabletop game and keep track of all the characters and the mercenary company and help the players keep track of their funds and things like that. Um, the second part is called uh, Mega Mech, which is the battle portion. Um, it lets you play the, you know, the turn-based tabletop. Um, either against other players over the interwebs or on a LAN, or you can actually run multiple clients on the same machine. So you can have a local match if you've got, you know, want to sit side by side and play. Um, and since it's a tabletop game, there's no real like fog of war. 
So you don't have to worry about like quote unquote screen cheating or anything like that. Um, but anyway, so there's the Mega Mech and then um, Mech, was it Mech Designer? Mech, something like that. But you can go in and create custom mechs, custom vehicles, custom infantry units, custom everything and save them as variants and load them into Mega Mech or Mech HQ for, for use. I, I love it. I played it, I don't know, hundreds of hours possibly over the course of the year. I ran multiple like games across the official like canon. Another thing that Mech HQ does is it's got the galaxy map and it updates based on the sort of main core rulebook changes. So in the late 3040s, the clans show up and kick everyone's shit in and but in like the mid 3050s when the inner sphere like beats the clans and then that stops and borders change hands and it's it's great. Great. I'll I'll stop talking about it now. Um and move on to the next one. Um so next up the no school like the old school award. Um an award for that we kind of award based on either games that we play that are older, they're like, yeah, this sticks out. Or that sort of just feel like older games in terms of the fact that they're like just games. And that's that's where mine came from this year, which is Earth Defense Force 4.1. Giant Insects. Um, yeah, Giant Insects. This game released, I believe, in 2015, 2016, something like that. And there were a couple of more modern trappings in terms of like DLC and stuff. But like... It's just a game. It's just a video game where the the intent is to have fun and it's a little cheesy and you can unlock everything from within the game itself and there's no microtransactions and no loot boxes and like there's nothing super duper special about it aside from the fact that it just feels like a big B movie that you're, you know, you're playing. Um but I love it because it's just a game where that you have fun playing a game. For fun. It's great. Need more of them. Uh, meanwhile, mine is a recent remake of a 15-year-old game now. Yeah. Uh, so, Adida, my girlfriend, is a huge, huge Pokemon fan. And, obviously, whenever uh, the new Pokemon games come out, she gets them pretty much day one. And since there's pairs of them, that means I get to poach one and uh, play through it. So I've been playing through, I'm uh, not quite done with it, uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, which is a remake of Pokemon Diamond from 2005, which I think is the fourth generation uh, of Pokemon games, which is... A lot further than what I originally played, minus playing Sword last year. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, it's a faithful remake, as in there are things that they changed, but it was limited. There were uh, the main things are XP share is enabled. Uh, they expanded one portion of the game to be more feature complete uh, as in the uh, Grand Underground uh, it has more that you could do down there now uh, which I'll talk more about probably in the next few weeks 
uh, and you're able to access your Pokemon boxes uh, remotely like you can in Sword and Shield. But apart from that, uh, the actual storyline and mechanics are very similar to uh, what they were in the original game. And it has that kind of old feeling to it. And a kind of a good way. Uh, like I said, I fell off of uh, Pokemon after Gold and Silver, you know, Generation 2. And never really played it again until, you know, recently. So, going back to the, and I'm just making sure, yeah, fourth generation uh, Pokemon games, when it had really hit its stride, and seeing some of the design changes, some good, some bad, uh, it makes it feel, you know, uh, it, it captures that uh, feeling of an old game while, you know, not having to play it on, you know, a, a, a DS, right? Yeah. And there's some things that I'm glad that they uh, changed. Like, uh, one of the things is that uh, Pokemon Diamond it was, or Diamond and Pearl it was uh, criticized heavily for true lines on HMs. Which, uh, in the other world, it uh, unlocks certain areas by just... Uh, having uh, gym badges and uh, having a ha- essentially having an HM bitch, you know, uh, to be able to surf, to be able to essentially go through the water, that sort of thing. And Sword uh, essentially removed HMs through just addition to the bike. Well, this one, they uh, essentially just made it so that it's moves that you eventually learn uh, just through the uh, badges in. They have a video game logic moment where wild Pokemon help you for whatever reason, instead of having to, you know, dedicate, you know, like a third of your team to the eight moves. And yes, I'm not joking. It's eight moves to traverse the other world. I remember for the old Pokemans, it was like cut and fly and swim. Well, this is like cut, fly, swim, strength, uh, waterfall... And there's a couple I'm blanking on. Uh, Defog is one area. And there... I'm missing one. And I can't think of it off the top of my head. I don't have my Switch with me. But it's... Yeah, there's just so many of the different ones. So that's another modern uh, streamlining that they... Yes, they did change the game to some degree. But they also made it feel like an old Pokemon adventure. And it made it really show that you know, Sword wasn't that great of a time outside of you know, certain areas of the game. For one, you know, it highlighted the fact that your rival was a complete joke. Oh, Hop, you incompetent fool. You fool. He's halfway through the game and uh, talking about uh, you've discovered uh, Pokemon weaknesses. Right? Because wow. you're using a type advantage. Never mind the fact that he also picks the Pokemon that's weak to your starter. So that should tell you something about him, right? He's not a very smart... Not a very smart boy. Nope. Makes poor choices. Has poor insight. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why yo, I'm uh, enjoying Diamond a, a lot more. But I'll talk about it more once I actually... Well... Beat the primary storyline, which I'm coming up on. I got all eight gym badges, and I'm working my way through Victory Road, which 
is actually quite the puzzle. <laughs> Which was something that was kind of missing in Sword. But eh. Yeah. Which brings us to the end of the first block. End of the first block. So now the Shikadra bot comes out. <laughs> yep, that's that's an old joke. Years old now <laughs> at this point. Like three, four years? I think the Shikadra bot, when they first happened, I was still at my old house. Which would have been in like 2016 or 17. So, yep. That's, uh, that's old. Old pool. But yeah, the Shikadra bot's going to come out, dance around. And we will be right uh, uh, back. Uh, well, I would say, you know, uh, dry hump something, but it's the chick Hydra bot for a reason. He's wet. All right. I'm going to step away for just a second. Katie came in while we were in that segment, and then she left my door open. So I'm going to go close my office door. But I should only be gone like 10 seconds. Okay. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six, five, four, three, two, one. I think you started counting down before I even walked away. I don't have my earbuds in yet, but I'm back to my desk. All right, my earbuds are in. Don, you started counting down 10, before I walked away, didn't you? 11, 12. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't have uh-huh. a camera there. How am I supposed to know that? Touche. Touche. All right, do you need a break or anything? Uh, I think I'm good to go. Okay. Intro music. The crowd goes wild. It sounds more like the the crowd had a bowel movement. <laughs> oh, indeed. We're back from our... So, so our extremely long commercial break of like 10 seconds for me to 15 seconds, maybe to go close my office door, but it had to be done so that the show could go on. Um, who's up? Is it me or is it you? I could go. All right, go for it. Because I remember I talked last on that other one. You did so- do that. Off the Wall Award, the strangest game that you played. And for me, I think it has to be Skatebird. So, the entire idea of this game is essentially Tony Hawk, only you're a burp. And it's, like I said, strange. It's not a terrible game. But I think a lot of people really were disappointed with it because they followed development of it. And everything that I have saw about this game uh, and the people criticizing it, it was those that followed the development and they really didn't do much with the development of the game from the first time that they showed it off a couple years before release. It was not on my radar, so I did not get to feel that disappointment. See, spore for that disappointment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was cute. I haven't picked it up in a while. And the entire idea of it is, you know, you know, burbs are funny. And, you know, they uh, don't understand their giant friend and, you know, all the uh, trouble they uh, has in his life. And they do burb things. And you can go in and make it so that they're... 
gator dudes chirping away at each other instead of, you know, uh, talking somewhat sensically. And it has this lo-fi track about bird documentaries. And it's just... It, it is weird. But nicely so, you know? Yeah. Well, it's also one of those that, you know, Definitely go out of your way to find some of the more music tracks to unlock because, yo, you only hear about the herring uh, uh, so many times, right? Indeed. Indeed. Um, Yeah, I haven't played played Skatebird. You uh, kind of at your description of the game during or when when you played it that one time and it turned me off to it. I mean, it's not a bad game, but it's also if you're looking for a more in-depth skating game. It's de- it's definitely not a Tony Hawk game. Right. Right. The same if, Chief. But if you just want something to fire up occasionally and uh, you know, goof around with, you know, there are worse choices out there. And there's worse choices on uh, Game Pass. There's a lot worse choices on Game Pass, but that's my next game. Right. Okay. Well, mine is Only Can's Thirst Date. Uh, I mean, it's a game where that you romance and try to have sex with sentient cans of soda. Like, what else do I say, you know, to exemplify how strange this game is? Um, you know, the, the sex noises are great. The soundtrack is hilarious. Um, it has Looks a like very... it's been removed from Steam. Has it really? Yeah, um, uh, the link to the Steam account is no longer active from uh, Google. Um, and their Twitter page, same thing. It's listed as, fo- or I can follow or ignore it on the Steam page, but they, I might only be able to see it because I, quote unquote, own the game. That, uh, that is interesting. All right. Yeah, I go to this, I could get to the uh, community uh, uh, you know, hub for it. But if I go to the store page, it just says uh, it's not available. Hmm. Well, the more you know, I guess. Um, you mean the more you know? The more you know. It's a very strange game. I liked it, but I can understand that it would be probably not for everyone. Probably not for most people. But that's okay. What, uh, I mean, I mean the fact that you know, <laughs> they removed it from Steam, though, right? Yeah, that says something. It takes a lot to be removed from Steam. Um, okay, the next award is the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award, given to a game that you played for only a very brief window, and then were like, "Nah, dog, I'm good," and then you 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 dropped it, you put it down. Uh, and for me this year, that was Sonic Adventures DX. Sonic Adventure DX is is was a I believe a Sega Genesis game when it was brand new, um, and who knows maybe it was an awesome game when it was brand new, but I only played it for about fifteen minutes before I was like I can't play this anymore. This is terrible, terrible controls, and and I mean this is it, it's a PC port, so some things probably just don't translate very well, but it's got uh, terrible controls, terrible graphics, terrible sound, terrible voice acting, just. All of it is terrible. So, um, I, I, terrible by modern standards, maybe is a better way to say it. So, 
But yeah, I dropped it like a hot rock. Yeah, which, right? So for me, it's Dirt 5. And thankfully, I did not pay for this game. It was on Game Pass. Actually, I think it's still on Game Pass. And I really like my off-road racing, my dirt racing, my rally, or my rally, my rally cross. So it takes a lot for me to drop a dirt game. And this was able to do it in two races. Which for the dirt series, that's not long. It felt like the entire game was on rails to me. The dirt series outside of dirt rally is arcadey or I guess Simcade would be the better term for it because there is some, it's somewhere in between the two. Uh, but Dirt 5, it felt like it was on autopilot. It felt like I had driver assists on when I didn't. It, I actually, at, on my second race, I was trying to intentionally to spin out and to drift. And once you got to a certain point, it locked. The, it felt like it locked the car, so you couldn't spin out. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. And on top of a lot of microtransactions, a lot of DLC, it's just. Let's put it this way: there's almost a hundred bucks worth of DLC now uh, for this game, including a booster pack. Right. Which, any game that does a, a booster like this, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a red flag. It's not an automatic disqualification from it being good, but it's also you know, something to be very wary about, you know? Yeah. Especially whenever they're doing it for levels and doing it for uh, money that's tough to get, right? And it's just, oh, it it was up there for disappointment for me as well. But we'll get to that one later, right? Oof. Right. So, yeah, uh, Dirt 5. Dropped it like uh, a hot rock. And wish it didn't exist. So, least favorite game played in 2021. Indeed, I was about to say, it's it's your turn to, uh, yeah, well, to carry was, on the uh, next category. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm... It was just ugh, right. So Molly's favorite is I am fish. I went through a couple uh choices for this one. But I am fish is up there, but it's also one that could be a lot better. Uh if uh, things were done differently. So I-, I am fish is a physics platformer where you are one of Five, I think, fish, depending on the st- uh, where you are in the story. Think of it as like the ending sequence of Finding Nemo, the game, where you're a fish trying to get to this certain point on the level, and shenanigans and uh, uh, go through. So, like you, you might go through a sequence, and then suddenly you're in a jar, and you're rolling the jar by s- swimming uh, into it. And there's a hard mode and easy mode. Hard mode is, you know, you're alternating the, uh, I think it was the the joystick or the thumbstick, you know, to uh, essentially wiggle your tail. Or you could just smash the, uh, that, you know, smash that A button like, you know, it's the like button, right? 
you and I had the same thought for a joke. <laughs> well, we've done each other for quite a while. So, right. Indeed we have. So, my problem with the game, well, there's a couple of them. One is that, you know, it runs its joke out pretty quickly of, oh, shit, hey, gets it Sue, right? But also, right. it does one of the cardinal sins that I've had problems with a lot of these physics-based platformers in that it has the objective. Uh, the first level, it doesn't tell you where you're supposed to be going. It does kind of generally guide you there by going down this massive hill. But the end result is that you're supposed to get to the ocean. But if you go to the uh, water in any other part but this one specific area, it resets you to the previous checkpoint. <laughs> so it becomes this uh, exercise of frustration of, okay, where does the game want me to go now? And I went through this for a few levels, seeing if it gets better. And honestly, it just got worse. And it does have the option to skip ahead on a checkpoint if you uh, get stuck a few times uh, and fail a few times. But the thing is that you can't in the level like that. So you'll eventually get to a point where it's this annoying sequence, trying to figure out what it wants to, you to do, on top of it being, you know, this physics platformer, which was has some shaky physics to begin with. It's just, no. No, I'd rather play Dirt 5. <laughs> well, I feel like that's saying something in the immediate aftermath of that conversation. All right, um, let's see. Yours? Yeah, mine is a game called PP Puncher. Um, I almost forgot about this. The problem with this category for me was it's like, well, I tend to just not really play that many games that I think are, like, bad, you know? Well, well, that's the thing is that I am fish. I didn't go into it thinking it was bad. Same with Dirt 5. I didn't go into it thinking it was bad, but both of them were Game Pass games. Right, absolutely. So it was more... Firing up something that looked interesting. Yeah, but so, I mean, what happens is I tend to, I tend to forget something that, you know, or forget about something or have a hard time recalling something that if it, like it just happened, you know, yeah. like it was just there or it was something I was supposed to do. Yeah. Also, why I make notes throughout the year. Yeah. So I played this game back in January, and. I played it for a while. I played it for a couple hours, like long enough that I couldn't refund it, which granted I only paid like 50 cents for it, but it's a weird game that is kind of one note in what jokes are. And it doesn't even do those very well. I just, I just didn't like it very much. Um, it's it's a early access. (laughs) It's a, it's a JRPG type of game. Um, and like you're, and you go to like an anime convention, and the the story is like bonkers. It's got like half naked like anime girls wandering around. So like you know that's a plus, but yeah, I don't know. It's just not very good. It's just not very good. I don't know what to say. Like it's not fun. It's boring. It's not very good. Um, so I did. I stopped. Like paused for you for a second. I was like, oh wait, no, I'm supposed to keep going. Um, so the next well, it also, award. It, well, it doesn't help that. They put in a fake achievement for the completionists to uh, obsess over, right? Uh, yeah. So the next award, uh, the Time Sync Award, which is games you've played 50 hours or more in the past year. 
even though we usually kind of fudge that one, but uh, for me, it wasn't uh, uh, fudge this year. Same. I had two or three games I could have picked, but ultimately I went with one that I was unlikely to talk about in the remainder of the list. So, um, Stardew Valley. Uh, Stardew Valley is a game that, you know, has existed for some time now. It's been through a few major revisions. Um, it is a you know, life farming dating sim type kind of game that's mostly about, you know, the farming and the, and the living life, but you can meet people and build relationships and date them and do all kinds of yeah, weird... Yeah, but unfortunately you can't date George. Unfortunately. But you kinds of, of weird or, or different like modifications to your house and it's uh, it's a good game. It's just a solid game that has so much to offer than just like you know farming. Yeah, it's really set the, yeah, it's really set the bar high for uh, that genre now. Uh, the fact that Harvest Moon came, uh, the latest Harvest Moon came out, and it felt bare bones compared to this little indie project, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a good good game. Worth your time. And mine is actually shouldn't be a surprise if you are familiar with this game at all. Animal Crossing, well, Animal Crossing New Horizons specifically. I actually started playing it on New Year's Day last year. <laughs> so, right, and it's one of those games that it's not meant to be marathoned. It's meant to be picked up and played occasionally. Yeah, check in, see what's going on. Whenever there's a holiday going on, spend a little bit more time on that. And it's racks up the time quickly through that, you know, intermittent uh, bits of play instead of, you know, spending 40 hours in one week playing it. Even though technically you could, it would be difficult to find things to do for that amount of time short of... You know, like redesigning your entire island, right? Not to say that there hasn't been people that does that. There are some absolutely bonkers designs that I've seen people do. But at the same time, it's... Like I said, for me, it's been bite-sized. Pop on, check to see what the villagers are doing. Seeing who's Naruto running uh, around the town square. Uh, check the uh, beach. That sort of thing. And it's just kind of like a nice little ritual game for me. And, you know, it's built up quite the amount of time. But it also helps that I have it digitally on the Switch, too. So, you know, not having to worry about a physical cartridge. and It's just always there, right? Yeah. So, next up is the best Discovery Q game. This one was kind of a tough one for me to pick because there was a lot of big names on there. And there was a lot of oddball ones, but I wanted to go for one that wasn't the obvious choice. I mean, I could have went with the accusers. There were several of them that popped up on mine. But I wanted to go with Mini Motorways. This is the sequel to Mini Metro. And it's a chillax puzzle strategy traffic management game. I still haven't gotten a chance to buy it. I think it went on a small sale over the winter sale, but I just balked at it. I focused on other things that, and, you know, getting uh, giving out some gifts more than anything else. 
but it's just kind of a, a chill, yeah. Well, I, I shouldn't say chill game because it definitely, uh, if it's anything like its predecessor, it's one of those games that starts off chill and then you know, quickly gets crazy, right? Indeed. And I, just, and I just wanted it a little bit different for my pick. So, yeah, Mini Metro, drive that city. Right? And, uh, and it has to have better traffic than uh, City Skylines, right? Let's see. Where are we? Here we are. Um, uh, best. Uh, there we go. Okay. I was looking at the wrong part of the list. I was really confused for a moment. So, mine is when I wound up buying. Um, and I talked about it last week. Uh, Mecha Knight's Nightmares. This one barely squeaked in because I bought it around the holidays this year, played it um, before the new year ticked over, so it just barely made it into the category. But there are a few um, games that I will buy, you know, sort of impulse buy, that are... um... You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um... But, you know, this is one that showed up on Discovery Q that I bought and turned out to be, I think, better than it had any right to be. And I don't really have too terribly much to say about it that I didn't say last week. I haven't really played it any since then. So if you want to know way more about the game, just go listen to last week's episode. But uh, regardless, you know, um, found it on Discovery Q, bought it, tried it out, and it turned out to be really good. And honestly, I think that's... You know, the most I could ask for out of it. So, two thumbs up. It wins. Uh, next up? Yeah, next up. Last one for this category, or this block. Yep. The Todd Howard Award for Dumbest Game Bug. Um, I spent a while trying to figure out what to pick for this. Because, as with many years, there were a lot of stupid and or, you know, malicious and or harmful bugs that were in games. Um, I almost put Cyberpunk, and then I was like, wait, when did Cyberpunk release? And it was, like, late uh, last year. Yeah, that, late that was last year. Uh, the dick one from Cyberpunk was last year's. Yeah. So, uh, then I was like, okay, well, what's another one that's, like, really bad? And looking through them, I settled on um, Marvel's Avengers, their MMO-style game that has been a hot mess, and I had already heard was, like, rumored to be shutting down. Um, it's, but yeah, it's a hot mess. They recently released a standalone Guardians of the Galaxy thing, which seems to be doing better, but this is, uh, this is not that. So, when, one of the updates that they pushed out, uh, in 2021, um, introduced a bug that would, that just was showing off people's IP addresses to the world constantly. Um, so if you were streaming, like, suddenly your IP address could be shown. Um, take any screenshots or, uh, you know, share your screen with anybody or something like that. It's like, oh, there's their IP address just hanging out next to their name and stuff. It uh, it was scientifically no bueno. And I found it hilarious. I mean, I also find it really bad for, you know, the people who hadn't done anything wrong. But generally speaking, I, I find that hilarious. So, yeah. Marvel's yeah. Avengers IP address issues. Yeah, I didn't go for a, a particularly malicious one. Well, potentially. I went with one that I encountered personally because I played Forza 5 on launch. And for, or Forza Horizon 5, I guess I should uh, give it the proper name. 
And anybody that followed that game even remotely knows that was a hot mess on launch. And probably the worst of the bugs on it was related to its deck code, where it was just the servers were getting slammed. So the game would uh, constantly try to connect and, uh, and would time out and disconnect, especially in the, that first like few days, uh, whenever uh, the peasants that didn't buy the Ultra Extreme Edition uh, were able to play the game. And one of the issues that they had would have triggered an epilepsy fit in people that you know, st- suffered through it. And it was a, a time-strobe effect where the the way the game calculates the time, it's different on each instance of the game. So if you were in solo mode trying to connect to the game and it was night, it would quickly flash the time forward to uh, nighttime. But because it was having connection issues, it would drop the connection so it would go back to your instance time, which was daytime. So it would strobe you back to day, try to connect again, go back to night, go back to day, go back to night, go back to day, and just have this weird strobing effect until they eventually patched that out. And it was actually kind of a dangerous bug for someone that, like I said, that was that's susceptible to flashing lights. And, and the initial problems with it it was very bright, very quick flashing strobe lights, which is a no-no. So, yeah. And just dumb on top of it, uh, along with some of the other issues that they had with uh, the netcode causing other issues with the game. But that's the dumbest, but also the most potentially dangerous one of them. Um, I guess there's not really too much of an intro except to dive back in. Yeah, well, well, I did uh, make a joke about a tragic accident with the little red dress uh, as an explanation to things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I wasn't... Like, I thought about it, and I was like, why the fuck do I care about saying something? So, as listeners may notice, both in the difference in quality, because time has passed and my office has changed significantly in the past and week. we're more uh, wide awake. And we're more wide awake. I had, like, a massive, like, blood sugar crash and literally passed out while we were recording last week. Well, you kind of zoned out, right? You didn't, you know, just flop. No, I, like, slumped over in my chair. Like, I woke up. I was disoriented. I didn't know what was going on. Like, I thought that I had just, like, zoned out for a minute and then, like, uh... Thinking about it Discord later. had crashed, and then I got to looking once I got my blood sugar stabilized out, and we chatted, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm okay. I went and I looked at the times of stuff, and I was passed out for like 20 minutes, probably, 20 or 25 minutes. And I came back, and Discord had crashed, but, like, yeah, I, I my, my blood sugar crashed. It, it was 36 when I checked it. So, yay me, more medical things to talk to my doctor about, because normally I deal with the opposite problem, like spikes where it goes up, not where it bottoms out. And that could be a sign that my body, after all this time, ha- is making some some kind of a recovery, or it could be like the last gasp of something dying in my system, being like, you know, metaphorically exploding, and like, you know, flooding my system with 
insulin. Like, bodies are weird. Endocrine systems are, are weird. So who knows? I gotta talk to my doctor about it and get my blood tests and things. But that's what happened last week. We, we got to the kind of the perfect place for me to crash, I guess. But I, I did totally crash. And so we're recording this two parts across two weeks. And in that time, I have packed up almost my entire office because we're selling our house. I've always yeah, found that weird. He's forming a cult. Yes, I am starting a cult. Um, the sex perverts. I, the sex perverts, that's right. But I've always found it odd. I kind of understand it because people have a hard time thinking about a space being their own if it looks like a space that's not their own, you know? So you want to make it as blank slate as possible. But at the same time, and, and maybe this is something that I, as someone who suffers from aphantasia, um, I can't visualize anything anyways. Mm-hmm. It just seems weird to me. Like, you know, you go in there and you mess with it and you get it the way you want it. Like, that's just kind of how I've always approached problems of decorating. You just mess with it until you get it a way I mean, that you like it. I mean, I have the same problem, so that's basically what I do anyway. Yeah. So, everyone's been asking me, like, oh, what are you going to do when you get into your new office at the new house that you guys are buying? I'm like, I don't know. Other than I want to put up some actual proper soundproofing, I don't know what I'm going to do in there. Tapestries. So many tapestries. All the... And drapes. Drapes. Battletech drapes and tapestries. All the houses, right? Yes. All the great houses. I'll get their heraldries uh, and some banners for them. Although I tend to represent uh, the Federated Sons, so their banners will be the largest. Represent. Well, what? Anyways. Um, so, yes. That is me and where we're at. Hi, Rage. Hi. Uh, so do you want to just, like, dive back in? Do you have anything that yeah. you want to say? Uh, not really. I mean, I wasn't sure what you wanted to actually comment about your episode. Nah, so I just made it. a joke, so. Yeah, no, my body's fucked. You know, it's fine. We all die someday. I, it, it wasn't that day. So I get to live on and torture your ears some more. Woo. Woo! I'm, like, so, waving my coffee mug around. So we're is, at I, the beginning of block three. Yep. I'm and everywhere. And uh, I guess I'll start off with the knee scratcher, because I was the last one talking uh, about the Todd Howard Award. Yeah. As you, you know, kind of just started to, you know, die on me. Die a little bit. Yeah, yes. it tur- turns out the, the game bug uh, for this year is uh, your blood sugar. Yeah, my body. <laughs> uh, so the knee scratcher. This is one of those uh, very personal awards that we found. Some a game that you know fulfilled a certain niche. And for me, it was uh, getting into SnowRunner first on Game Pass, and then just buying the damn thing. Yeah, and just uh, you know, off road trucking, a, a very technical driving game instead of, you know, fast vroom vrooms uh, like we have with uh, Forza Horizon 5 where the idea uh, most of the time is just go as slow as possible and try to go through some very inhospitable terrain while you know, not tipping over right? Yep. And it was just a, a game that 
hadn't played something like that in, since, uh, you know, Mudrunner. So having, you know, uh, basically a kind of a, a revival of that uh, genre for me. It was kind of a nice uh, dive into it. Yeah, and I agree. I almost put SnowRunners as mine, too. But then I thought, no, I don't want to copy you. I'll pick another one of my... Yeah, because I typically fill mine out throughout the year instead of, you know, doing it all uh, the week, uh, the week of, because that's only half the show. <laughs> right. And right. Some of, and some of these topics, they're better off filling out during the year instead of trying to remember, you know, like games that we dropped very quickly. Yeah, well, I make a few notes for myself as I go along through the year, but mm. you're right, I do almost all of it, like, right then. But I chose to put uh, Transport Fever 2. I can't remember if Transport Fever or Transport Fever uh, 2 has ever shown uh, that's up. That's not what you have listed here. Uh, are you sure you're looking at the 20? Oh, no, I didn't. Uh, looking at I the wrong tab? I, I, yeah, I didn't flip it over. I still had Snowrunner, but, you know, it's yeah. still, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I didn't flip uh, to Ab over, but it was still the same idea where, you know, got into the DLC maps as well, which, right? Yeah. But, um, so Transport Fever 2 is a game that I've at least talked about on the show before, probably within the past year. Just uh, a nice transport sim game with really good modding support. Um, trains, planes, automobiles, boats, just, um, you know, connecting things together. And then watching it all work. Um, around, I hadn't played it too much this year. And then around Christmas time, when I was traveling and doing Christmas and the New Year's and everything, I was like, you know, I just want to sit and relax and l- listen to podcasts. I haven't had as many podcasting games this year. And this one kind of feels double duty, both as a game that is a niche that I really enjoy and find extremely relaxing, and as a way to engage in my sort of second favorite hobby which is just listening to podcasts it was really good um to just go back and play that some more and within like a month i racked up something like 30 or 40 hours in transport fever 2 um i've been playing it a little bit at work currently when i have downtime it's just all around an excellent game that um does have a very small but very dedicated community tons of mods excellent mod support good game um Yes. So the next category, greatest disappointment of the year, which is anything gaming related. And I thought through some different things. I looked at some of the news topics of the year and, you know, some of the ones that uh, are later on in the list or that we have already talked about, you know, fit those specific categories better. But for something that I was disappointed in, I picked Nintendo Switch Online or their online sort of their like, big update that they had um, in with the uh, big DLC pack for uh, shit. The game. Help me out here, Rage. I'm struggling mm-hmm. tonight, apparently. Uh Animal Crossing? Animal Crossing, yes. The Animal Crossing DLC. How that the DLC is like a subscription thing that you get if you subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online. And Nintendo did a Nintendo and made it confusing and added like price tiers to it. And, you know, sometimes. 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and the salary today of the N64 emulation, it, every time they release a game, it's more where they fucked up this time. Yeah, absolutely. So Nintendo, you know, they swing big or do weird stuff or do things that we don't understand. And sometimes it turns out to be great. And other times it turns out to be disappointing. And them continuing to, at this point, I think willfully, like, be ignorant of how the internet works and modern online gaming works is just really disappointing. Like, Nintendo definitely can do better. And it sucks to see them do worse. Yeah, and for me, this was one that I played on Game Pass and was also a contender for Drop It Like a Hot Rock. Uh, But it was more of a disappointment for me. It was Empire of Sin. And this had everything that I should like about the game. Uh, Management, gangsters, uh, crime, uh, drama, and it's just, everything felt flat. Once I got into the meat of the game, there was just a lot of grind that I did not want in a gangster game. Right. And having to physically run around with your gangster trying to uh, recruit individuals. It's just, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I was so excited for this game because this is a paradox game. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. And usually they're at least decent on uh, their, uh, well, uh, grand strategy is not what this one would be, but it's just, it fell off. And just looking at some of the other games through this developer, I mean, this is the same developer that did City Skylines. This is the same one that did the Magica series. Uh, Hearts of Iron, you know? It's just, it felt like it was the yeah, like the C team. Yeah. They've got a history of putting together excellent games and to see them doing do something mm-hmm. that's so bad, maybe lazy. Oh, well, and it was a kind of a combination of laziness, grind, but also repetitiveness. Where it was the same actions over and over again for individual buildings. You know? Yeah. On top of a very shallow feeling (laughs) tactical combat system. It's just, what the hell, right? Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't buy the game and I just, you know, played it on Game Pass. Because it was a Game Pass. (laughs) Touche. Touche. So now for the Maybe I'm Old Award. (laughs) Maybe I'm old. Which, that's a reference that outlived the show, huh? Yeah. That's from. Ah, I miss co-optional. Me too. As someone who listens to Jesse Cox's other things that he does, mm -hmm. like he's got a couple of podcasts I listen to, that phrase lives on. Just not not in the in the original context that it was created. So for me, there was really no question on this one. Next Space Rebels. It might be a better game if it didn't feel so Goddamn cringy to me. Everything uh, centering around the idea of online challenges, social media, building a YouTube channel, or sorry, StarTube channel. There was a lot of fellow kids feeling stuff. Right. 
And it got me thinking, maybe this would be a better game to me if it didn't feel so damn cringe. And then I really stopped and thought about it and thinking, I'm not the target demographic here. You know? Yeah. It's for someone 10, 15 years younger than me that wants to do a very simple rocket game, which, ironically enough, simple rocks, rockets is far more complex than this game. Even the first simple rockets. And it just... There's a little bit of uh, rocketry and a lot of, essentially, point-and-click adventure, uh, really cringy uh, dialogue between, honestly, teens... Don't get me wrong, I still absolutely love the game and what it stands for. Especially whenever uh, uh, the storyline goes hardcore, either you're ultra-capitalist or you're this space rebel anarchist. And there's yeah, no in-between, and it, both of them honestly kind of suck. Yeah. But eh, maybe I'm just old. Maybe you are old. Before and I have a feeling yours is going the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before I talk about that for a second, I, I just was sitting here thinking while you were talking, like, a lot of times as we get older and new things are made, there, there oftentimes was something, quote unquote, in our youths that served the same kind of purpose as this, and it just seems so off to us because we're not quote-unquote, one of the kids these days. Like, was there a game that you can think of that kind of filled or did what Next Space Rebels is doing in terms of, like, it's more simple, it's an introduction, it's trying to do something, like... Well, here's the thing. Is that, uh, it's basically combining a very simple... Uh, I would almost say visual novel, but, you know... Uh, uh, so are the choose your own adventure games. Yeah. Uh, with a extremely simple rocketry. Uh, well, not even game, more like simulator because you never really have control over the rocket. So it's basically like, you know, even extremely early alpha Kerbal was a yeah. better rocketry game. It's more rocketry as a theme and it's doing other things and it's just trying to sell itself on this Rocket game when it's not really that game. Gotcha. And that's what really kind of got me, you know? Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so maybe I'm old. Is it is it just me? Or does Solitaire really need ads in it? <laughs> the uh the Solitaire collection, which I assume, I, I think you said this too, like Solitaire, the Microsoft Solitaire collection had been in other places more recently before it was put onto Game Pass. Yeah, there was a, a essentially buying in a, to a small subscription. And I think it was also on the Microsoft Store, but they threw it into Game Pass as well because, right? Yeah, so back in my day, right? Solitaire was just like one of the included games in Windows. There was Solitaire and Minesweeper and oh, you know the fancy later the... versions had Spider Solitaire and well, I was going to you know about the supposed reason why they include Solitaire, right? As mm. a, essentially a tutorial on how to pl- use the mouse. 
Yeah, it's yeah, like I've, I've heard that before. I've never heard any substantiated, you know, definite truth to that, but, right? Neither have I. It, it's always been, like, one of those little urban legend things. Mm-hmm. But it's a neat story, so. But anyways, like, I, I understand that, you know, maybe in this day and age you don't need to include this for free with the operating system, so to speak. So if you wanted to just sell the Solitaire collection for five bucks or something, fine. Makes sense to me. You know, I'm I was used to it being a certain way, but that makes sense. But needing to subscribe to it to not to get all of the content and to not have to see ads. Well, that's I just, just the, that's the, the times. I mean, I know. I, I know. mean, do they even have Minesweeper anymore? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, Minesweeper still exists. Like, I know you can play yeah. it. I, you know, yeah, but. but I, yeah, but finding a version of Minesweeper, which I actually have on my phone, that isn't laden with ads is rare. Google, actually, in their, it's not their most recent, but a fairly recent version of the Google Play Store, has now added, um, for when you're on offline mode, I discovered this when we were flying uh, for Christmas, uh, certain games like this, like Simple Solitaire, uh, Snake, Minesweeper, just like tiny, simple versions of the game that are available by default when you're in offline or when you're offline or in airplane mode. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, this has offline mode, but Minesweeper Pro is the one I have on my phone uh, for, yeah, my Minesweeper fix occasionally. Yeah. That has no ads on it whatsoever. Nice. It's like the holy grail of games at this point, Uh, especially for mobile. Mobile games that yeah that don't have ads, understand, which I definitely understand, especially uh, going onto the Play Stores. It's hard to get on there and yeah, you know, actually make money on it, let alone right. Yeah, but at the same time, some of them are so goddamn egregious. You know, thirty seconds of gameplay, and then you know, set through an ad. Right, thirty yeah. more seconds of gameplay, another long unskippable ad. Yeah, sometimes you'll be watching more ads than getting gameplay in your games. Now, back in our day, uh, the ad site did have the games on it. Remember Candy Stand? Yes, yes I do. <laughs> oh, back in my day. Back in my day. Uh, we played pool with the ad on the table. Right. And we liked it. So, uh, Video Game Logic Award? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Getting getting caught up in being an old man ranting. So the next category is the video game oh, logic. Well, the rest of us is long past. <laughs> yes. We'll have the area grievances uh, later in the year. All right. Okay. Um, but anyways, the next one that we have is the Video Game Logic Award, which named for our show. That thing, something we noticed this year that is video game logic. For example... Uh, the door, one of many doors in Fallout being completely smashed open where you could just step through or reach your arm through and unlock them, yet they're impassable. The example this year for me, though, is Jurassic World Evolution. It's a park ratings system. So my kid this year, he's been able to read for a bit now, but this year his ability to read has really blossomed. And so we've been playing a lot more games together as discussed with my, you know, memorable, ga- memorable gaming moments of the year uh, in, the, in part one of of our award show. And uh, so one of the games that we played this year was Jurassic World Evolution. Uh, my kid loves 
dinosaurs, loves Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, etc. And the park rating system are stupid. They're video game logic for sure, because in order to get your star ratings up in the campaign mode, especially you're trying to complete specific objectives and it doesn't matter what you do otherwise, as long as you get to that objective. So for example, the thing that sticks out in my mind the most is on one of the islands, you have to get a three star rating um, for a velociraptor pin. So people have to come and they have to, you know, rate it at three stars or higher. And then they launch the spaceship, right? Yes. And then, but on the island that we had built, we left not enough space to build a velociraptor pen. And my, my, both myself and my son very much are like, we don't want to destroy anything. We're going to figure out how to fit this in. So we could only build three quarters of a pen. There was like a wall that didn't connect properly. So velociraptors continually escaped from the pen. They would eventually... They do. As they do, they would eventually find their way to the corner. We would have to have the, the park rangers come and tranquilize them or kill them and haul them off, drop well, them back in, like well, constantly simple. making new dinosaurs. Uh, how else could you have a freezer full of meat? Absolutely. On, on our Starship Velociraptor. Um, but so, like, our park was, was, we had so many people being injured and eaten and, you know, killed. Did like our park safety rating plummeted, like everything plummeted. Like this park was terrible. We would have been sued into oblivion and shut down at best. But because oh, that's the authentic the, uh, Jurassic Park <laughs> experience, though. That's true. But because our raptor pen was, you know, we kept it going this way long enough for it to get enough tourists to get it a three star rating. We passed and we won and we advanced to the next island. So. Video game logic. 40 people had to be eaten by, by Velociraptors, but we got our three stars, damn it. And then you decide, yeah, the Velociraptors, they're not dangerous enough. Let's uh, bioengineer a super uh, dinosaur. You can do those in Jurassic World Evolution. Uh, like, I know that in the movies, like, that's the thing. Like, they genetic engineer super dinosaurs, but... Those are, like, the end-game dinosaurs in the game that give your park, like, sky-high ratings. Until they escape and eat everyone. Yeah. So, for me, the the real standout for me this year was, during Game Club, which we'll come back to this, the crafting system in Far Cry 3 is just bonkers. And it all stems around the idea of... I understand what it's trying to do, okay? But the idea of needing very specific animal leathers to do various things in the crafting system is just weird when you sit and think about it. Why do yeah. I need the ball sack of a silverback gorilla to have more grenades, right? Right. Why do Any I need old to leather go, should work. Yeah, why do I need to go uh, dive in the ocean and start hunting uh, sharks? To have more arrows or whatever it was. Oh, no, that was the wallet, sorry. You know, the shark leather wallet, right? Yeah. And it's just... I understand the idea is probably to force you to go into different areas. And honestly, there's really little reason to go into the ocean outside of uh, punching sharks in the face. Which should be its own reason, not because... Oh, I can't carry enough cash, right? Yeah. 
But we'll come back to Far Cry 3, because, right? Indeed. I see because, it on your list in other places. Yeah. We have uh, the biggest video game flop that isn't Evolve, which we're probably the only people still talking about Evolve these days. Probably. <laughs> so, a, a dead game lives on because of us, who originally made fun of it for being a dead game. <laughs> so, for me, it's Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, fuck-up edition. It's... <laughs> It's easier to say what actually worked in this game. And, yeah, they did rip off people, so there is that. Right? They yeah. issued apologies.jpg. Uh, there's so many gifts and things of the, of the game just, you know, doing weird shit that I, I really don't see how it wasn't a flop. I mean, review-wise, it definitely took a beating. It's still taking a beating. And I know that, yeah, it obviously probably made more than enough money because it was the port of a mobile game back to PC, right? So this is a PC game going to mobile, then coming back to PC from a mobile developer that they farmed out the porting to that never did anything on PC. So they obviously made their money. Yeah. But, right? Yep. To call it a mess would be an understatement. <laughs> okay. Um, mine was Aliens Fireteam Elite, a game that I don't think we talked about on the show this year, but that as a big fan of James Stephanie Sterling, son, uh, madam, question mark, I um, heard quite a uh, bit no, about... No, I remember they're saying son to whoever is... Uh, 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 you know, disrespecting them. So that's true, right? That's true. Uh, which, hey, we could buy the NFT of James Definitely Sterling now. I saw that, and all the the angry tweets, and I'm sure they're going to talk did, about it. On I, this I did week. see, I did see the angry tweets, but I figured that there were probably plenty of them. Yeah, and I'm sure they're going to talk about it on this week's podquisition. So can't wait to hear more about that. But anyways, um, because I I follow them on. Uh, their podcast and uh, occasionally watch like Twitch highlights and stuff. I saw a great deal about this game. The Aliens franchise continues to disappoint. It has not produced other than Aliens or Alien Isolation has not produced a good game in 10, 15 years, maybe. Um, It is a cooperative PVE uh, shooter game, a la like Warframe. So it's got, you know, similar elements where that you might have to complete objectives or you might have to survive a certain amount of time or kill a certain amount of enemies. That thing, it's class based um, with that you can upgrade the classes and get special gear and they have abilities and all that jazz. And uh, Steph seems to like it quite a lot. It describes it constantly as like garbage. Like it's a garbage game, but it can be fun if played in the the right way. And if you're in the right mindset to sort of laugh at it as well. But apparently there was a huge marketing push for this game. Millions of dollars spent advertising it. And it releases with like, you know, a fart and there are almost is almost no one streaming it. It was another game this year that had massive issues and had huge refunds and things on it for it being so broken on release. Yeah, Bond was actually pulled from sale for a while, so, right? I don't 
think they pulled Aliens Fireteam Elite from sale, but the servers went down for a while and it couldn't be played. And I mean, this is a you know an online only game, so there were many tweets earlier in the year from from staff that were like. You know, game developers expect us to always be online, but they don't have to hold themselves to the same standard because Fireteam Elite had servers that were down, you know, multiple times throughout the year. So, big old flop that we didn't talk about on the show. I definitely didn't play it. I don't think you did either, but... Well, still, it's an Aliens game, so, you know, right? Yeah. But big and flop this lo- year that I And just looking about. at it, it's just kind of meh. Yeah. Okay. So... Least favorite game club game of the year. Oh boy, all right. Yeah. We began to the meat and potatoes of the award show. Yeah, so we didn't have as many game club games this year just because of er, my fuck ups. Yeah, hey, this one's your fault. I get to blame you for something. Yay. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure it was your fault somehow. Probably. So we have a smaller pool to pick from than usual, but still there were a couple of couple of standout games in in Game Club this year, um, you know, a couple on the more positive side, a couple on the more negative side. For me, the worst Game Club game of the year was Darkest Dungeons. Um, I don't know how much of that for me is disappointment on top of me not really liking it all that much, because I was expecting it to be a lot more. Darkest Dungeon is a game that had been hyped up and built up and really, like, praised by almost everyone that I've ever seen or heard talk about it. So to play it and to find it to be so tedious, yeah, tedious and honestly shallow in its mechanics. And I think part of that could have been that it was a much earlier sort of rogue light in terms of like when they were starting to get more main mainline or mainstream attraction to them and a lot more money being spent on that type of game. It just felt so basic and so tedious and so oppressive is the wrong word, although it's kind of the right word for the, the well, that's style of the, game. The, uh, of the game. It just was very limiting. You had such little freedom in the game. I found it tedious and boring and had no interest at in playing it more than what I did. And honestly, Grindy. I wouldn't have played it as much. Yeah, Grind. That's what the term, I think, yeah. I would approach it with because in order to really have anything going on, you have to grind up all the buildings because yeah. if you had one of uh, your adventurers that had a uh, a fault to them that they could only relieve stress in a very particular way, well, it seemed like nine times out of ten that building was taken up by who you know whatever in the town. So yeah, that I, uh, left it where. I was stuck not be able to use them to continue on, and they were one of my higher level ones. So, hmm. yeah, which I know part of the game was to rotate people out like crazy, but right, yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't have even played it as much as I did if it wasn't for Game Club. That's how much I did not like it. So, yeah, yeah. For me, it, my active dislike falls back to Far Cry Three, and I think a lot of it is just once again tedious. It's just. There was so much there that felt like you know, video game logic forcing me to do something because reasons, right? Yeah. On top of uh, half the time, it feels like the game was just spawning enemies on top of me just to be a dick and run out my resources. So I'd have to fast travel back and then 
start the entire adventure all over again. And just a lot of unsatisfying uh, events. Uh, the uh, Kind of the towards the end of my gameplay of it. I was sniping uh, at a uh, outpost and had one dog bark and suddenly everybody knew where I was. Which yeah. also kind of falls into the you know, video game logic uh, territory. But it just so broke my immersion. And this was after, with a silent sniper rifle, released the tiger that was going around <laughs> in the outpost and eating everybody. But, like, one dog barked, and then suddenly everybody started shooting at me while the tiger was mauling everybody. It's yeah. just, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, I liked uh, Far Cry 3. I didn't love it, but I did like it. Um, so, but I definitely agree. It had those problems, and especially the one where the game will just keep sending enemies at you. Um, you know, if you're in an, quote-unquote, an unsafe area. And they always seem to know exactly where you are. Like, that's very frustrating. Or it seemed like if I was walking through the jungle, trying to build up resources, especially for the bullshit uh, uh, inventory, which was another yeah, video game logic thing. Yeah. Where, you know, one leaf, uh, same amount of area as grenades and guns, right? Yep. Uh, trying to re- build up my resources to take on a mission, uh, it seemed like enemies would constantly just stop on the road for no reason whatsoever, and a dog would start barking. And, oh well, fuck, right? Yeah. And then the you know the entire in uh, island of uh, whatever comes down on me, and I didn't even get to the part where you know you lose the one memorable bad guy that everybody seems to forget. Was it the actual big bad of this game uh, uh, where he dies and, you know, the actual big bad steps in? That's the other thing is that <laughs> the game is so shit, it only lasts halfway through. And then, you know, the most uh, forgettable villain shows us up, right? Yep. Captain Businessman. Mm-hmm. But everybody seems to remember Voss because, you know, he actually had some personality. He was a very interesting bad guy. The lesson that they learned from that game was to make all of their bad guys more like Voss. I don't think that's the right lesson to to learn. And also not kill them off halfway through, right? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Voss is a good bad guy, but like, you have to have more to have a good story than just a good antagonist. Yeah, which they haven't seemed to learn because based on everything I've seen from the other Far Cry since then... Uh, yeah, four, they went just as crazy, uh, five, crazy, but religious, and six, uh, crazy dictator? Yeah, I haven't seen hardly anything about Far Cry 6. Uh, Far Cry 6, it's so, uh, bland and boring that only time we ever hear about it is whenever they make a marketing misstep again. Yep. Although it has bad, Gus Fring, the bad guy in video game form. Mm-hmm. Gus Fring being one of the, the most iconic bad guys from Breaking Bad. Which never really watched Breaking Bad, so that doesn't help either. Right, that's uh, fair. Uh, maybe Far Cry just isn't the series for me to begin with, so. Yeah. Which still makes it my least favorite Game Club game. Fair enough. 
Um, so that does it for this block. Uh, block three. You ready to start block four? I don't. I yep. don't need a break or anything. Uh, I don't either. I mean, still pretty fresh. Oh so, my! Gonna get fresh with me? Don't you wish? Uh, maybe. Uh, go draw hump the Shikadra bot. I just might when this is over with. So I'm picking up uh, where we left off for the Gilded Bird Award for the biggest dick move of the year, which is different from uh, the Balderdash Award and everything, where it, this is more of a singular action instead of, uh, you know, a general theme. And for me, it was early on in the year where Epic and Apple just started weaponizing their fan bases and being utter dicks to one another. And I don't like either of these companies, so I don't have a you know, a dog in this fight. But at the same time, they've kept it up, and it's still going on, really. Yeah. <laughs> and what gets me is they have these fanboys fighting over multi-billion dollar companies. Why? Yeah. I get it. You know, you like Fortnite. You like the fact that... Okay, I don't get why you like Fortnite, because it fucking sucks, but still. You can do silly dances or something. Like, uh, you, you could do the whip maneuver in the, uh, in, in the MLK Museum. Or you remember that one, right? I remember that. <laughs> oh. People being racist, yeah. Yeah, people will be racist no matter what, but that was... Wow, why did they not think of that one, right? Yep, particularly egregious. For on all fronts. But anyways. But yeah, it's just... Uh, the fact that... You know, Epic was all set, ready to go... Day zero on this entire front. With that one commercial parodying Apple. You know? They yeah, were the, all set, the, ready the, to go. And started the... Uh, the culture war, and then Apple fired back, and it's just, it's been a mess, and I'm just, it, it was a dick move all around. There's no good people on this one. But then again, nope. that's usually what happens when you have multi-billion dollar companies fighting. I still think that in, you know, Epic is the worst one, given the current situation. I am not on Apple's side. I think their policies are garbage. But well, considering your know, girlfriend has an Apple phone and having to deal with that clusterfuck, yeah. But I mean, it, she's lost like two dongles because they can't have a goddamn uh, headphone jack on it. Well, not to defend them, but I, I don't think any modern phone has a headphone jack anymore. Like, I think they're dead except on budget phones, which sucks. I miss headphones, I like my Bluetooth stuff. Don't get me wrong, I like it, but I do miss headphones. That's why, yeah, I'm going to hold on to my phone as much as I can. That, and also I have expandable memory on mine. Yeah. And I'm probably not going to get another uh, Samsung Galaxy because they axed the uh, uh, expandable memory. Yep. On a, on a unrelated to the show, but related to phone note, I saw a couple of months ago a phone on Linus Tech Tips that was like a user, ser- like a phone designed to be user serviceable and it's modular. It looks really neat. It's it's expensive and it's kind of bulky because the one thing, the one like sort of quote unquote positive of the way that companies design modern smartphones is that they get to be really small and compact. 
But mm-hmm. to me, that's too great of a cost. I would rather have a big, chunky phone that works better and has more functionality and then I can work on without, like, a huge set of specialized tools and, you know, warranty-voiding stuff. F- fuck big companies. That's what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Just fuck them. Yeah, that reminds me. Warranty-voiding stuff. I need to crack up an Anita's laptop and start poking around in there. Yeah. Because Cat knocked it off, and pretty sure the hard drive is fried, but, yeah. I want to poke around in it before ordering one. Yeah. Because, right. Might as well try and, and fix it, yeah. I mean, I have a hard drive enclosure. I could always plug it in and see if it actually boots. Or see what fun sounds it makes. <laughs> see if you can make a YouTube video off of the the beautiful music as it plays you the sound of its people. <laughs> or if it rattles. If it rattles, then oof. Yeah. So was is that you done talking about yeah. the Epic and Apple? Okay. I just didn't want to jump ahead. So mine... Yeah, I figured yours would be this, so I also didn't want to steal it. Yeah, so mine is the other, I would say, biggest news story, ongoing event in gaming of the year, which is the Activision Blizzard scandal? Lawsuits? Everything? Um, earlier in 2021, uh, I, I honestly don't remember when, because it has gone on for months now. Um, a lot of stuff came out to light that kind of had been talked about and suspected, but kind of kept in the dark for a long time about, oh God, worker abuse, crunch, sex abuse, um, you know, the, the upper management at Actibli- ActiBliz being sex pests, HR protecting, or HR and executives protecting the offenders. Bobby Kotick and other executives, you know, ignoring it, trying to sweep it under the rug, not having any consequences for their horrible actions. Then the lawsuit from the the state of California and just on and on and on kind of, I won't say culminating, but looks like hitting a new crescendo literally today as we record. We'll talk about this next week and as it the story unfolds but microsoft has apparently been in the works to buy activision blizzard and still in the process but seems to be it's set for the sale to be complete within a year give or take based on some early reports i read like it's just a nightmare i was already pretty much not playing most activision or blizzard things Mm -hmm. because of issues with like world of warcraft and issues that they were having and you know i never really had cared for overwatch or or that or um not too much for for warcraft at this stage in my life but you know have those games having loot boxes and issues with online connectivity and forced drm where it didn't need to be in these older games and you know just etc and etc i had pretty much was pretty much done with those games anyways and now it's like well, fuck it. I might as well just not even try and play any of them because yeah, but, of how much of a mess this is. Yeah, but now we might see it on Game Pass. It'll be interesting, at least, huh? Yeah. You know, hey, look who, at it this way. You won't have to pay to see just how shit uh, Blizzard games are now. Yeah. And who knows how I'll feel about playing them. I haven't bought EA games for a long time for the same reason, but I have played a few that have come to Game Pass. So, 
yeah, I don't know. We'll see how this all continues to play out, I guess, over the next however many months, at mm-hmm. least 12. Also, some early stuff I've seen on Twitter is that people are worried that they're going to be forgotten in the shuffle as the the headline becomes, you know, Microsoft buying Activision and stuff related to that. It's just a mess. It continues to be a mess. It makes me sad. Don't worry. I'm sure that the executives have their golden parachutes and they'll land on their feet. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the executive class will be just fine. Don't need to worry about those guys. <laughs> All right, well, you do know that Bobby Kotick probably made so much fucking money on this buyout. Oh, yeah. Because, it's... because that's the thing. He's the majority shareholder, so... Yep. I mean, he already had all the money. Now he has even more of all the money. Yep. Hey, at least he'll be uh, leaving. So, you know, he'll uh, start some other company that will be absolutely horrible to their workers. Because, right? Yeah, because why not? Let's just hurt other people. Bastard. When, When we rise up and eat the rich, I'm starting with Bobby Kotick. I'm not sure if I want to eat Bobby Kotick because, uh, I mean, he sucked a lot of dick. I mean, same. I, I, besides, yeah, I, I imagine that he would taste like shit anyway because you know he is a giant asshole. He probably would taste like shit. You got me there. He would probably taste bad. <laughs> but damn it, it's a principal thing. Anyways, um. So yeah, next category, the I'll Be Back Award, game you plan on returning to later for any reason. And this one was hard for me because there were quite a few games that I have said this year, like, I'm going to come back and check that out because it's been an early access. I'm going to wait and see how it develops. Or it's something that, you know, I'm waiting for like a big mod to get developed some more before I can go back and play a game. Um... You know, but I, I ultimately settled on Valheim, uh, a open world survival game that's themed around Norse mythology, um, had a big focus on multiplayer, which most of these games do. It was an indie darling at the start of the year. I played it for a couple, maybe three dozen hours with a few people in our community and some by myself, and it was good. I liked it, but... It wasn't there yet. It had some issues, and certainly some some mods fixed some of the issues. And, you know, God bless the modders. You know, gaming gods bless the modders. But I want to see as many features in a a fully developed game and a a game as close to full development as possible before I start throwing a bunch of mods at it, because as soon as a game gets updated, you're very likely are breaking some or most or all of your mods. And so... I'm going to come back to Valheim probably this year. Um, I don't know if it's actually gotten its quote-unquote full release yet. I could probably go look that up real quick. But I know that it had had, had quite a bit of development. So let's see if it's still, uh, it's still early access. Okay. But I, I do know they've had several major developments over the course of the year, though. So, Yeah, mine last year was Stardew. <laughs> Which I did play a little bit, actually, on the Switch. Didn't play as much as I intended. But for this year, uh, I think it's going to be Euro Truck Simulator. Uh, playing some SnowRunner, it got me, you know, wanting something a little bit slower paced as well. Yeah. For, you know, uh, just downtime and be able to really just pause and 
uh, go do other things and come back to it later. And because I'm on a new computer now, I don't have my old save, which I could pull from the uh, old computer, but the thing is that Honestly, I find your truck simulator in American Truck Simulator a lot more fun. Right where you just get your first truck uh, up to a certain point. Uh, then it just becomes, oh, I have all the money in the world, right? Yeah. There's definitely a sweet spot in the game where that you've got... For me, it's when you've got your first couple of drivers. And so you've got a little bit more freedom to do some stuff. But you're not quite rolling in in the dough yet. yeah you don't have you know garages in you know a dozen different countries that you just fast travel around yeah and you got me one of the dlcs and i bought a couple of my own uh on the christmas sale so i'm kind of already there but you know trying to get all the settings right and uh, i do have a chat pad on my uh controller so i'm able to you know do a, a more inputs than I normally could on just a controller. Yeah. To be able to, you know, just kind of sit back, relax, and just drive around and slowly making my way uh, east into Europe into uh, a couple of the DLCs that I got. I don't have the full set, so I can't do pro mods, which is one of the disappointments of uh, of it, but eh, right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, Euro Truck is probably uh, up there for you know, what I've been edging to play. And you kind of pushed me over the edge, so thanks for that. You're welcome. I, I have to say, as a very quick note, I, I've i been eyeing Euro and American Truck Simulator lately to get back to playing again. Because mm-hmm. it's been almost two well, full years since the yeah, last time I played. Yeah, we should convoy at some point. Maybe uh, take a week to just you know, skip uh, Forza and just convoy during the uh, during our uh, play dates yeah is is their multiplayer without mods i think so okay i, I do know the... that they it, it put in a uh, uh, official convoy uh, multiplayer support good we'll have to look up and see like how far you have to be because i think i'm going to restart no matter what i do have my old save files but i think i'm just going to restart <laughs> it's been so long you know yeah, so we agreed on our next one, the Uncanny Valley Award. Watchdogs. Yep, Watchdogs. It's interesting, this game being from... So, I mean, the Uncanny Valley, for anyone who doesn't know, is this idea that as you get closer and closer to something that's not real, being real, like real enough that it tricks your brain into into believing that it's something that is real, you fall off in this thing called the Uncanny Valley, where it makes you feel a bit odd or unsettled or weird, because it's uncanny the way that this thing makes you feel. And I think it's, for me with Watch Dogs, it's how they treat social media and the information in it, and then treat the hacking, right? Absolutely. God, this game treats hacking like it's some kind of magic power and social media like it's, you know, this crazy, like, interconnected, interwoven into every aspect of your life. And, I mean, honestly, seven, eight years ago, that was on the horizon. Anyone who was in denial about that was either just, like, ignorant to social media or, like, genuinely in denial but it's so uncanny with like how 
real it feels, like how much they got right. Because even though you can see something coming on the horizon, you're not going to know exactly how it plays out. Even if you're like, oh yeah, I can definitely see this thing coming. You're not going to know exactly how it's going to work. But it felt spot on going back and playing it in, you know, in the current year. Well, I guess it was it was the yesteryear. We didn't play it in the current years, but yeah. The last year. Wait, that sounds a little bit more uh, ominous. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, we don't you know, need to be joking about that uh, with uh, COVID. Yeah, but the last year was was very ominous, honestly. So, not it's not wrong, but it's not you know great. Uh, but yeah, but then uh, they have it where you know it's also tied to all your bank accounts, and you're able to instantly hack people for money. And it's just there was a lot of you're you're so close, and then you bundle it on this, you, you know? Yeah. Or the whole, you know, line of sight hacking, which made absolutely no sense. Yeah. You know? But, yeah. Watchdogs, man. Who would have thunk coming back to that? Mm-hmm. One might say it's uncanny. Eh? 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 So, our last two uh, that we have, then we uh, start debates. Yes. So the best game club game. You want to take this one? Yeah. So my best uh, best game club game for 2021 was um, the Lost Phone duology. So we did Lost Phone and another Lost Phone. Um, I, I went back and forth on a couple of them. The game that you listed was one of the ones that I considered. Mm. But for me, when it comes to, like, games, you know, we've talked about this so many times. I like and appreciate games more for a story, an idea, a theme, like saying something big. And both of these games are tackling really tough, really difficult topics for most people that have to do with different types of abuse that that these people are experiencing. There's a little bit of, of sort of, you know, detective to it, but really it's... You're along for the ride as you experience a very convincing story from someone who has been abused for one reason or another. Um, you know, to get full thoughts and full details, you can either obviously play the games yourself or you can go back and listen to our Game Club episode where we discuss them. But just the fact that it does that and does so in a way that I found convincing as someone who works with these people on a regular basis and has heard many of these stories... I, I truly believe the people who made these games have experienced these things firsthand or are very close to people who've experienced these things firsthand to get that experience so correct or so lifelike. And something like that, to me, speaks volumes more than any amount of fun or interesting gameplay because, to me, the, the story, the narrative, the theme is so powerful. So I loved the Lost Phone duology this year and, you know, heartily recommend them to anyone who is okay with going through something that could be triggering, that could be a little bit disturbing and sad, but it's very, very real. And I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, I did consider yours for mine, but I ended up going with, well, a game that... I've beat several times before going to game club. So knew exactly what I was getting into for it. Call of War as gunslinger. 
which is honestly a bit of a rarity these days. A single poke, a single player focused first person shooter with a heavy emphasis on story. Don't see that too often. And yes, I know Halo exists, but its main focus is still the multiplayer, in my opinion. There's no uh, multiplayer whatsoever outside of leaderboards. Uh, and it does some interesting things with its story, having that unreliable narrator and throwing in a lot of twists and turns into the story because of it. Having all sorts of hidden collectibles that you could go around and find. Having more history about the various characters that you run into on this Forrest Gump-esque uh, you know, tr- uh, trip through the Old West. Yeah. Where, I mean, that's something I should have brought up in <laughs> Game Club, was that it's basically Forrest Gump meets the Old West, where you're meeting all the major players, right? Yeah, that is very true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, but what really kind of sold me on this game the first time I played it was the first time where there was a a bridge I didn't uh, notice until just then, and it just falls down from the sky and lands. It's like, oh, this is going to be fun. It's a shame that they never followed this up with a sequel, or a continuation in the series, I guess I should say, because most of the Call of Res games have been pretty standalone with callbacks uh, to other ones, as far as I understand. Yeah. I believe so. I'm not 100%, but I, I think that is correct. And this has a pretty good ending for it as well. And I don't think that you should really, if you had a sequel, to continue on with this particular character. Outside of maybe encountering him or, you know, hearing more about his tales. Or, yeah, maybe just a, a instance of seeing, you know, like, a down novel <laughs> talking about him, right? Yeah, ooh, that would be good. But, that would yeah, be a good it was way just, to bring him back. But it was just such a fun romp, you know? It didn't overstay its wel- welcome. It didn't feel like a slog. It was just a, a really fun time all around. Yeah. It's usually for a game as short as this, I would feel a little disappointed, but this one, it felt like it was right in the right spot. It even was still bringing up new mechanics and new things, even right to the very end. Yeah. That that get graveyard level, right? Mm-hmm. The so, three-way standoff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for me, my favorite game played in 2021, the year of the COVIDs, Mark II, was Psychonauts 2. A lot of, and, a lot of twos in there. Yeah. Well, don't worry, we have Tuesday coming up uh, on February 2nd. <laughs> Because February 2nd, uh, 2022 is on a Tuesday, I think. Two, two. Or, no, no. Nope, it's a no, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, so close, right? Indeed. I was, uh, I didn't scroll my calendar far enough. And I was just sitting there looking. I was like, ooh, that's nearly lining up. But nope. Damn. Uh, but anyway. Psychonauts 2, this is a continuation of a decade-old series. Uh, uh, The original Psychonauts, it was one of those 
early on Indie Darlings, which kind of ignited the internet to some degree. Uh, it, it didn't hit as much as it could have if it released a couple of years later because, yeah, it was a little too early on it. But yeah. it was wacky. It had this, you know, a Tim Burton-esque feel about it where everything was a little weird. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was one of the early zero punctuation <laughs> uh, games that the, that Yahtzee covered. That should tell you how old it is, right? I don't remember that, but that yeah, that would make it quite old. I mean, I knew it was quite old, but... It was back when he was still doing licensed music on his intro and outros. Right? Yeah. And Psychonauts 2, they were able to pull off one of the rare things where a game that came out over a decade after its pre or its predecessor, because this is... Uh, well, it's technically the third game in the series because this middle one, that kind of branched the two together as a VR-only game, which we'll not get into that. It's very skippable outside of a few instances of story. They were able to make it feel like, at the same time, a long time has passed, but also a very short amount of time has passed. In-game, uh, it's only been a few days, but they were able to bring in most of the voice cast back from the first game and tie everything together in such a way that it felt uncanny. And uh, it could have also been a contender for the Uncanny Valley Award if it wasn't. Yeah, Watchdogs, where they made everything feel so fluid while at the same time bringing everything well up to pace, you know, make it where the characters, you know, have a lot more emotion, where uh, the uh, world is a lot more colorful, a lot more vivid, and made it so that it was a lot easier to traverse the uh, world in general, have more areas to explore. Like I said, that the only side quest is a damn scavenger hunt. As a matter of fact, even made fun of the fact that the only side quest in the original game was only a scavenger hunt. It was uh, absolutely a blast from beginning to end with so much weird and wacky character design and level design uh, that it's hard to really pick out a, a best moment. I mean, even the small levels like the uh, cooking show level was a quick in and out, but also a lot of fun and a lot of interesting mechanics. Um, the Jack Black being Jack Black level. Mm -hmm. And yes, he does have like two or three musical numbers in it because of course, right? Of course. I mean, how um, did you bring Jack Black in without music? Uh, even though it's a bit more drawn out, was a blast to go through and had a, just so much interesting color and uh, 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 level design. And plus they also brought in some more of the ideas of uh, psychology where, you know, uh, having a panic attack suddenly just drops the world from uh, this vivid color to the, like, all dark grays and uh, draws you into this, essentially, arena where you have to try to calm down the, the panic attack. 
mm-hmm. uh, having the idea of dual personalities show up in another world, uh, having this uh, idea of superiority uh, show up in another world. Uh, it's one of these that I think you really should play just uh, on a professional level going through and seeing, oh, I see what they did l- with uh, this particular game mechanic or this world mechanic because of this underlining uh, medical or m- uh, mental reason, you know? I don't want to give too much away because there's a lot there. Right. But yeah, it was actually one of the few games I actually finished in just a few settings uh, this past year, let alone in general. Because honestly, I kind of bounce off games a lot. So, right? Yeah. I have found myself balancing off of games more and more as time Especially goes on. Game Pass, right? Yeah. It has to be something that I truly am like, ah, yes, this seems lovely for me to stick with it for lo- any any decent length of time. Yeah, my only real gripe with the Psychonauts 2 is that the uh, combat is very rock, paper, scissor-esque, where certain enemies are weak to very particular powers. So you'll end up keeping a, a couple of powers uh uh, on your uh, essentially face buttons because it's uh, you could uh, map four side powers to the four face buttons, yeah, and just uh, uh, like sensors are weak to side blast, for example. I think if memory serves. So having uh, that power uh, on all the time because sensors show up a lot, and then you know, like panic attacks. Uh, if you slow them down, you're able to calm them a lot easier, and then there's other ones that have very particular weaknesses, which can make uh, combat a little muddled if there's a lot of uh, different types of enemies. But honestly, Kanats uh, was never big on its combat to begin with. It was more the design, which yeah. considering you know mechanics guy, uh, praising design should say something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, mine for favorite gameplay to 2021 is kind of a smashing together. So, I played through the entirety of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition trilogy that released this year. So, I get to kind of cheat. I've said on more than one occasion that the Mass Effect trilogy, the, the original trilogy, is my favorite game series of all time. Um, I wrote part of my, or I, I wrote my dissertation on it. My, or my, ma- or, sorry, not my dissertation. I, I'm not done a, a doctorate. I wrote my thesis, my master's thesis on the psychology of video games and used the Mass Effect trilogy as the basis for the entire paper. Um, I have played the three of those games inside and out, front and back. Every playthrough style that you could imagine had found all of the secrets and all of the things like I'd experienced all of them and they went back and played through all of them again. One, two and three, no breaks in between. It was like maybe two or three weeks was what it took me to play through all of them just because of work and other responsibilities and things that I had to do. And I loved every moment of it. The, 
remaster made in in the way that a good remaster can do or can do this it played and looked and felt like how i remembered it and going back and comparing it to the original release by and large you know lots of improvements across the board so they did a good job in that front made it play like how i remembered it playing which is good i feel the story still holds up as and you know as someone who is older you know, much older than the last time I played these games. Um, you know, my own opinions and viewpoints are different. Discovering new things in the story that, you know, sort of speak to me or that I interpret them differently. You know, I, I love all of that. I have always been a big fan of the gameplay, the storytelling mechanics. Um, I find value in each of the three games. I still think that the original Mass Effect is the best. The second game is the worst, and the third game is the second best for various reasons. I talked about all of this in depth in a couple of episodes earlier in 2021. Um, but yeah, I love these games. They're my favorite of all time. The remasters, I think, did them justice, and it held up in my brain. So favorite game I played in 2021, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition Trilogy. So we're going to have an interesting one because uh, I, I've just, I bounced off my Mass Effect after two. I, yeah. I saw so much about three. I just, no. Which I know part of that is also the fact that they had a very, very important character locked behind DLC. Yep. And that still rubs me the wrong way. And uh, uh, if you haven't guessed, we're into the debates for the Game of the Year award. <laughs> Interesting. So do you think, and then, like, this is okay. I definitely, like, loved on it a lot just then. But do you mm -hmm. think that I'm going to say Mass Effect Legendary Edition is the Game of the Year based on, on that? Your absolute love? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, actually. Um, I love that game. I am too clouded on it by my own sort of biases to really be able to, I think, discuss it objectively. I mean, I can talk about it, you know, certain aspects of it objectively, but I love it so much that I don't think I could be talked down from a position about it. So mm -hmm. I threw it out for my own personal, you know, contender for the game of the year. And even if we could say like, ah, yes, it's, you know, even if we both agreed on how we felt about the game. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can talk about a game of the year without talking about the production and the development of that game and the yeah. company behind it. And fucking EA is maybe not the worst anymore, evil but they're certainly, yes, yes, they are evil, actually. You know, they're, they're in up there, like in the top five worst gaming companies, or maybe the we'll top five how, worst companies. We'll see how Microsoft uh, cleans up one of them, right? Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that Mass Effect can be on the on the list, you know, in the conversation because of the studio and the fact that I'm just too clouded on it, you know? Yeah, honestly, out of my three that I've talked about glowingly, I would have to say Psychonauts 2, Gunslinger, and actually I would go all the way back to SnowRunner as the D-Scratcher, as... Uh, candidates. So we have we've got two because I I had listed three that were in my contention. Mm -hmm. It was Gunslinger, Snow Runner, and Forza Horizon Five. 
The oh. I played Forza Horizon Five uh, pretty much as soon as it came to Game Pass, and I had so many issues with it. And as a matter of fact, still have issues with it. I still play it, but it's one of those things that this is not Game of the Year material because of all the bugs, all the issues behind it. Having it where there's, you know, the primary loop of uh, late game stuff, the playlist, where they still have issues of, oh, oops, we didn't realize that this, uh, that driving a car from the 30s for 100 miles would be a grind. Here, let's pass out some uh, uh, points for that. Yeah. Or having a, a, a previous week where uh, the uh, uh, the thing just wouldn't trigger for some people right? for the uh, for the treasure hunt. Having another week where there's uh, if you did too many of the story missions, you know, actually played the game, you couldn't do something. So, for me, that takes Forza Horizon Five out of the uh, running. Never mind the fact that. You know, the dangerous uh, flickering that they had. Uh, having it where they just got somewhat uh, convoys working, even though we've had issues with that in the last couple weeks. That's true. All of those things are true. The main reason it's in the list for me is because I have such a good time playing it with you. Yeah, but we still have to have a fight to to, uh, to even get that to work at times. Sometimes you're absolutely. I mean, I mean, correct. just this last week. Yes, we had problems with it when we played on Sunday, but yep, that whole thing of like games are better with friends, a hundred percent, and that like I just really enjoy you know playing it and hanging out with you. So like it it made it on Send the help. list. Send help. <laughs> I th- I thought. That it might get knocked off, and I was okay with that. But yeah, but yeah. I'm also trying to be objective about it. You know, I do enjoy uh, racing with you, but at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah. Nope, you're good. So then that that brings it down to Calvaris Gunslinger and Snowrunner, both of which are on both of our lists uh, in one they, way or another. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, man. They're so different. Snowrunner is basically exclusively gameplay um there's some small amount of narrative to each of the worlds that you're on but the narrative is almost exclusively like the way you choose to do things cooperatively uh, and, honestly, and honestly the narrative on uh, on snow runner is kind of bonkers because it seems like it's a hurricane even though it's like siberia <laughs> yeah there's a hurricane everywhere you go um you know, I, I I liked it enough to buy it, just like you did. You know, played it first on Game Pass, then bought it, then bought all the DLC for it. Like, so, you know, I'm definitely, like, there on it in that way. I had a great time playing it on my own. I had a great time playing it with you. It doesn't feel as special as Gunslinger does. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunslinger, with the way that it tells its story, with the unreliable unreliable narrator the fact, that, like the, fact, the fact that i still have not seen a unreliable narrator done like that yeah uh, the fact that nobody's you know stolen that idea for lack of a better term or iterated on it you know yeah they're they're both up there for very different reasons um i did run into a lot of technical issues with snow runner 
but I think that's more of a unique because I swap back and forth between my computers so often playing on my laptop at work versus my desktop at home. Yeah. I've only on really had the couch. one issue with snow runner, but it's also, I'm running a lot of mods, so it could be an issue there. Yeah. I had a lot of issues with like desync and stuff. So, um, and, and, you know, save data getting messed up and having to go back and, you know, recover stuff. But I think that that's not the game's fault. I think honestly, that's more of a fault with the way that, Microsoft handles their cloud saves because I do that with games on Steam all the time and never have an issue. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of a delay, and until I figured that out, I was having a lot of problems. Although I've had some issues with Forza Horizon 5 too, occasionally something getting messed up um, and not syncing properly. But I, again, I think that's a Microsoft problem, not a SnowRunner problem. Mm-hmm. But remember, the two are intrinsically linked because yeah, we have it on the Game Pass client, right? That's true. That's very true. Gunslinger plays well. It feels good to play. It does um, feel a little uh, old, but it is an older game too. Yeah, but it could run on a potato at this rate. It can, and it, you know, it feels like playing a Western-themed fairy tale, which I think is mm-hmm. what it's trying to do. It's trying to be a folk tale. Man, I don't know. This is hard. This is, I think, the <laughs> hardest game of the year discussion that we've ever had. I think... I mean, we've rarely had uh, such agreement on two very uh, uh, good games as well. Yeah. As a... Okay. Here's here's where I'm at. And I'm gonna, like, have this, like, brief thought process out loud and this will, I think, let me reach my conclusion. So... Call of Juarez Gunslinger is an amazing experience to play through once, maybe twice. And I don't think that a game necessarily has to be replayable forever to be good or even great. But the way that I specifically engage with games is I like to have something that I can come back to over and over and over again for long periods of time. And so even though I love Gunslinger, I think it is one of the the better games I've played in a long time. And certainly the uniqueness in which it tells its story is incredible. I think I have to pick SnowRunner because I have gotten, God, 150, 200 hours of gameplay out of that game this past year and will continue to play it and enjoy it and many aspects of it on an ongoing basis. Like it, you know, you put it in the niche scratcher. I almost copied you on it. Like it really fills a a space in my brain. The fact that there's so much varied content, you know, Uh, even though the name of the game is SnowRunner, there's a lot of uh, forest uh, uh, and well, non snowy areas, right? Yeah. Uh, and each of the major maps presents their own unique challenges. And then you get into the DLC maps where they throw some sort of twist into it. Yeah. Like, even the newest one that released a couple weeks ago, it's a big gimmick is you start off with a garage that's barely functional. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're agreeing on SnowRunner then? I think and- so. For me, it's like the difference in like a 99 and a 100, but... Mm-hmm. You know, that still goes to SnowRunner, I think. Yeah. 
and just the fact that yeah, both are exceptional games, and we are also for the first time not giving it to uh, yeah favorite game played into uh, in the year or favorite game club game, right? Uh, well, it was your favorite game club game. Uh, Snow Runner. Oh, s- sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I was... Uh, yeah, never mind. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. This is a first. Because it's either been favorite game club game or mm-hmm. favorite game played in the year. That's an interesting spot and an interesting thing, too. Because, like, technically it wasn't either of our favorites, but we both think that it's the best. Nice. There you go. Listener, take from that what you will. I'm I'm very happy with that. So, any anything else? I mean, that's that's it for the year, folks. Yeah. Or for the, the award show. Yeah, I think we'll definitely have to do a split recording from now on just because of how damn long this is. Huh? Yeah, cuz I mean, we've got uh, 3 plus hours of recording now. Mm-hmm. Um, all together, we're we're getting old. But also, yeah, I think in the previous years we were starting to get a little bit drowsy towards the end. Yeah, and we're more fresh now. Yeah, well, having yeah, a well, well doesn't well doesn't Jared wish at least right? Yep, not fresh enough for me. I'm, I'm waiting for you to say send help or something along those lines. <laughs> but well, you're just going to ignore it anyway. That's true. You're right. But so, um, uh, if you have any feedback on this absolute monstrosity of a show, because, right? Yeah. You do so, send it to VGLpodcast at gbl.com. Tweet it to VGLpodcast. I don't think we had anything on the Twitter this week or any comments about uh, yeah, delaying the award show. So, hmm, right? Yeah. I don't, or I don't if so. you wish to drop by the Discord, you could do so. Over on the website, vglpodcast at gmail dot or sorry, at vglpodcast.podbean.com as I was scrolling back up on the actual show notes and saw that uh, our lovely, lovely patrons are paying for the repairs to the little red dress. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. Our whatever music we're using is uh, from Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at incompudeck.com. Indeed. And? And as always, <laughs> I was just waiting to see if you, like, you were going to fuck with me or say anything special. As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.